Well, that passage, Romans 12, 9 through 12, has some amazing phrases that we're going to look at together. And today, the phrase, the theme, the scripture is something we all need to hear, we all need to live, and I know on the surface, we'll all agree with. It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, and you can see it with me. It says this, detest evil, cling to what is good. Detest evil, cling to what is good. That scripture alone, if we live that scripture out, our lives will be what God wants it to be. The New International Version says it's just a little bit different, but it's equally helpful. It says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. God wants us to hate evil and to love the good things in life. A couple of years back, I was in Eastern Kentucky where my wife's from, driving in some of the most beautiful roads you'll ever see. And this particular day, I was having a great moment. The gas tank was full. My coffee cup was prepared and it was good coffee. I had some tunes on that I really liked. The weather was much like today, it was perfect. And in fact, the fall leaves were beginning to turn. I mean, this was an incredible experience. I was having all my senses were satisfied and I was just thanking God for this. I was listening to good Christian music with my coffee cup, driving in some of the most beautiful places on the planet. And as I was ascending down this hill, thinking all is right with the world, I look into the rear view mirror and behind me is a vehicle that was owned by the Kentucky Department of Transportation. And unfortunately, this vehicle was not just following me for random reasons, because the lights on top of the vehicle were flashing blue and red. So I pull over and the officer comes to my door and he, he says, do you realize how fast you were going? And he proceeded to tell me a number. Driving safely is important here, so because we have young drivers like my friend Cameron Shaw who started driving recently and other, other young teenagers here who are driving, I'm not gonna tell you exactly what the number was. It did contain the numeric eight somewhere within that number. And so I came up with a clever idea. I said, officer, I really wasn't intentionally speeding as I was descending down the hill, the gravity going down the hill caused me to increase my rate of speed. And this Kentucky police officer, it, he looked at me for a second and for just a second, I thought I might've pulled one off. I thought about my brilliant reaction may have convinced this man to let me go. And he looked at me and said, boy, you expect me to believe that one. And I was a hundred dollars poorer for the experience. So despite the fact I was having an enjoyable experience, I was listening to Christian lyrics in the song I was singing, I was doing something positive and having positive thoughts, an outside source had predetermined what the speed limit was. See, I felt safe. I felt like I was handling my car with great safety. I felt comfortable, obviously, with the speed I was going because I didn't even know how fast I was going. But an outside source had predetermined 
what the speed limit is. And so despite the circumstances and despite my opinion and despite how good I felt at the moment, when I passed the speed limit, I had broken the rule. I didn't have the right under those sets of guidelines to determine what I thought the right speed was. Something outside of me, a government agency had determined what that speed is. When we think about our scripture today, on surface, all of us would agree, Romans 12, 9, to test what's evil and love what's good. We would all agree, yeah, we, we, we need to do that and we, we need to live out that scripture. But the problem is, what defines evil in your life? Here's the first step that I want us to look towards today is define evil. Define evil. What defines evil? What government agency determines what evil is? What church committee determines what evil is? What denominational position paper determines what evil is? None of these entities are qualified to determine evil. And while we're on the subject of who's qualified to determine evil, I want to warn you that you are not qualified to determine what is evil. There's only one entity, one person, one God, and that is God our Father. He is the only one that can perfectly define what evil is. Because he knows the intentions of our heart. We can judge behavior and judge evil to a certain extent. But one thing we can never judge is the intention of someone's heart. And that's what God does. Because of that, God wants destroyed the world. He wants destroyed the world in what we know as Noah's flood. And he preserved a remnant. He reserved Noah and his family. And he, reserved, he preserved his creation. But we find some incredible insight in the story of what evil is. It's in the scripture, Genesis 6-5. This is such an important scripture in your Bible that I want you to understand this scripture and know this. It says, when the Lord saw that man's wickedness and why it was widespread on the earth. Now look at this next phrase here. And that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time. We see here, this is more, this is more than just the manifestation of behavior or the manifestation of a lifestyle, or the manifestation of choices, though those are important that we make good choices. This is talking about the thoughts of the heart. Isn't that an interesting phrase? The thoughts of the heart, the intention of man, what only God can see, the deep places that only God sees. And see, God has the right to determine what wickedness is. God has the right to determine what wickedness is because he knows the hearts of mankind. And so now we, as his people, we can recognize some wickedness. I mean, there's some things that we can recognize as wicked in this world. And I want to give you two categories of wickedness that you and I can recognize. We can't recognize all categories because only God knows the heart. But there's community wickedness. Community is a word that 
is used very broadly and it's used very defined here recently. And as we've talked about the possibility of a larger world conflict, you've heard the phrase, the world community. And then simultaneously, community can be as small as my family of five people. And we're a community. So this is a broad statement. So what I'm saying by this is wickedness that affects other people. There's wickedness that affects other people. Wickedness and evil is not just about you. It's about the lives it affects. And so it is that we can see with our eyes. We can see with the data. We can recognize that this world has community evil. Community evil that's a manifestation a manifestation of a lack of God. What is community evil? Community evil is when a government uses chemical weapons to eliminate its citizens. What is community evil? Community evil is when unnecessary wars happen that kill lives simply because diplomats have decided a war needs to happen. Community evil, yes, is when nuclear weapons are misused. And yes, A misuse of nuclear weapons is a form of community wickedness. Community wickedness is when a sexual predator has three women locked in his basement for 10 years in Cleveland. That's community wickedness because it affects other people. Community wickedness is when athletes take advantage of an unconscious woman and then they scheme together to cover up their wickedness. That's community wickedness. Community wickedness is when a child is predetermined, their destiny is predetermined by their zip code and by their opportunity and not by their God-given ability. Community wickedness is when a child is abused. Community wickedness is when others are taken advantage of for the benefit of someone else. When the poor are oppressed by systems, systems that give them no chance to take advantage take advantage of their lack of opportunity. This is an idea of community wickedness. And I want us as Christians not to be disengaged, not to uh, be apathetic, not to check out. Because if we want to live Romans 12, 9, we have to hate what is evil and love what is good. We have to hate the fact that there's abuse in this world. We have to hate the fact that there's war in this world. We have to hate the fact that people are starving to death in this world. We have to hate the fact that there are problems in the world we live in right now. Hate what is evil and love what is good. That is why community evil matters. But beyond that, there's individual evil. Individual evil And those are the dark places of our heart and the dark places of our mind that Satan wants to take advantage of, that Satan wants us to dwell in. Those are the thoughts that pass through our mind that we wonder, where do those thoughts come from? Those are the actions that we produce that we regret so much and wonder, how in the world could that happen? That's why we must be honest. And if we realize Genesis 6, 5 says that the intention of men's heart were only evil all the time, that those are our ancestors. Those are our fathers and mothers. Those are the descendants we come from. We have a propensity. We we have a pull towards evil. There's dark places in our hearts. And almost every message 
You've heard me say this before, but you need to hear this again. Almost every learning style, every worldly perspective says the opposite of this. Says that man is inherently good. Man is basically good. Man can use progress to improve themselves. And though we are created in the image of God, and I thank God for that, if we don't deal with the issue of sin in our life, if we don't admit that there's wickedness in our hearts, if we don't admit that there's evil in this world that's manifested in the community, but it starts with the individual, then we'll never have a need for God. So what is evil? We can define evil a lot of different ways, but I like to give really simple definitions. And here is this, evil is the absence of God. It's the absence of God. Now, God is in our mistakes and God is in our shortcomings and God is in our lack. But when evil comes, God has been totally rejected in that action. God has been rejected in that thought. God has been rejected in whatever that situation is, that choice or that policy or that decision. Community is the absence of God. Martin Luther King Jr. was a pastor and he was a pastor from a different theological perspective than our church tradition. I don't like to put labels on, on stuff as much as I can, but a label Dr. King put on his original theology was the term liberal theology. And in his own writings, Dr. King said that over time, he realized that liberal theology had a hole. Liberal theology had an emptiness. Liberal theology had an error. And that error was this, is that man is good and man can, man can improve by himself and of himself. And within this writing, he wrote these words. He said, the more I observe, the more I observe the tragedies of history. And man's shameful inclination to choose the low road, the more I came to see the depths and strength of sin. See, when we don't realize that sin is real, that sin is a part of our life, then we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves and we begin to de- decide what is evil and what is not evil. We begin to become our own self determinator of what is wrong and what is right. Can I tell you, there has to be a higher standard. There has to be an outside source. We can't come up with this definition within ourselves and by ourselves and for ourselves. There has to be a different standard. And that standard is someone who has never had an error, who is someone who has never failed, someone who has never made a mistake, someone who is high above us, who is different. There's only one qualified to define what is evil. And that is the Lord, our God, who is high and lofty and who is mighty to save. That's why Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15 says it this way. Isaiah 57, 15 says, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. Can I tell you that we need a source that doesn't change with each generation. We need a source that doesn't change with the opinion polls. We need a source that does not change based off the emotions of man. We need a source that isn't influenced by money or popularity or worldly acclaim. And that source is the God that you're reading about today. The one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits 
eternity, who is holy. He is the one who sets the standard and he is the one we look to. Only God can define evil. Instead of redefining God, like every generation tries to do, we need to let God define us. We need to let God define who we are. Several years back, I traveled quite a bit to Kansas City. And Kansas City has a small airport. And you have to go through security at the gate. So you're at the gate, going through security. You can see beyond the security your, your gate you need to get on, the flight you need to get on. But you have to go through all the metal detectors and all that type of stuff beforehand. So I'm not proud to tell you about this particular story, but it'll be helpful for us to understand something. I was in line, ready to get on the airplane, ready to get through, been to that airport many times, understood the drill, understood what the issue was. And I went through the metal detector and they told me to come back through. And they said, sir, you need to take off your belt. They'd already checked my pockets, checked my bags, checked everything else, and they wanted me to take off my belt. And usually I'm very understanding to customer service representatives and, and very kind to those who, who serve us in, in, in those types of situations. But that particular night, I was really irritated. I was really upset. I showed my anger, not, not in a boisterous, not in a loud way, but I certainly showed my irritation to the TSA agent, and, and I said something to him, like, like, you want me to take my, my belt? You want me to take my pants off too? What's the deal? Come on. I was like, I was like irritated. He's like, sir, no, please, please. This is just procedure. And, and, and it, just, it just really, really irritated me because I didn't understand what the rule was. I didn't understand why in the world, why in the world were they slowing me down? Why in the world were they keeping me from my destination? Why were they being so ridiculous? Had no idea didn't understand the rule at all. There's something about the story though. There's a detail that I didn't tell you about. This particular story happened in the year 2000, 13 years ago. If you remember in the year 2001, a major event happened in our airline industry that changed everything. And after September 11th and the aftermath of that as there were evaluations on airport security I thought about that story a couple of times. I thought about my immaturity, thought about my lack of understanding, thought about my lack of recognition of what the threat was. See, at that time, all I thought it was was a stupid rule. All I thought it was was an inconvenience. All I thought it was was unreasonable. I had no idea the potential threat that our country faced and eventually we're victims of. Here's the issue here. Once we understand what evil is and who defines evil, we have to agree even when we don't understand. Here's your second point. Agree with God. Even if you don't understand God's laws, even if you don't understand God's holiness, even if you don't understand God's way, there is an understanding that even though I don't understand, I understand who God is. So if God's word says something that doesn't make sense to me now, and I haven't quite figured it out, 
I trust that God knows something bigger than I do. And God has a perspective that I don't have. And God's looking down the road of my life and the community's life. We're very short-sighted. We have a very small view. Our scope is limited to our experiences and our friends and our conversations and our relationships. But we serve a God who is eternal, a God who understands, a God who sees way beyond what we'll ever have the capability of seeing. Unless he reveals it to us, he has a view that we don't have. And so we must not just define evil and understand that God's the only one who can define evil. Then we have to agree with what God has defined. That's why a very important scripture is in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. This is God talking to his people and acting as if they're in the courtroom and using the language of the day, of the, of the language of legal, legal arrangements. And he says this, come, let us discuss this, says the Lord. Let's discuss this. Other version says, let us reason about this. Well, when you discuss something, the goal is agreement. And this is what you're supposed to agree upon. Your sins are like scarlet. What are you agreeing upon? You're agreeing upon what is sin and what is not sin. You're agreeing upon what is evil and not evil. If you're out of agreement with God, then you cannot receive the forgiveness and purity that he has. Part of receiving his grace and for, receiving his forgiveness is agreeing that what God calls evil is evil. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, this is in the NIV, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. We're going to agree with what God said, that God defines evil. And if God defines evil, and the God defines what evil is, then we have to agree that God's ways are best and God's standards are best. All right, so here we are. We're coming to the end of the sermon. Are y'all with me? Yeah, I can tell you're listening today. You're quiet, but you're listening. Here's the problem. God's defined evil, and now we agree that God has defined this as evil, Here's the problem. We enjoy evil. This is, this is an issue, guys. Sin is enjoyable. Sin has temporary pleasure. Sin appeals to something within us. However perverted we can say a sin is in someone else, we don't understand why someone who's full of violence they enjoy the power behind their violence. Someone who is abusive enjoys the power be, beyond their, uh, uh, with their abuse. Someone who is promiscuous enjoys the freedom in their sin. God said this is evil, and now we intellectually agree with him, but the problem is we like it. And see, this is why we're here today, guys. We're here today because God has an answer for this. God has an answer for our problem, but we have to admit the problem by ourselves and in our own strength and in our, in our own imagination and in our own choice. 
We like sin, but there's an answer. Here in the month of October, every 17-year-old boy has a plan, and I want to tell you, I do not endorse this plan for several reasons, but here is the plan. Number one reason I don't endorse this plan because I have a teenage daughter. Now you guys are getting curious. Number two reason is that I don't like scary stuff and all that, but here's the plan of every 17-year-old boy in the month of October. If he can get his date to go to a scary movie, or if he can get his date to go to a haunted house, and she gets exposed to the evil, and she gets scared enough, she's gonna cling to something good. And that 17-year-old boy is hoping, beyond all hope, that he is the good. Whenever we're exposed to evil, there's something in us that looks for the good. And that's why the answer to our problem this morning is back to Romans 12, 9. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Here's your last point. Self-explanatory. Cling cement to good. There's a reason like why I use the word cement or cement, whichever one we want. Cement to good. The word cling the word cling that both, the, both of our versions today use talks about gluing or cementing to something. Cling to what is good. Cement to what is good. Glue to what is good. The idea of permanency. That high school girl who gets scared at the movies or gets scared at the, the haunted house, though I don't endorse those for the record, She clings to something good. She clings to something safe. And so it is the answer to us. The answer to us is is to go for God with all we have. To attach, to glue, to cement to everything good that God has for us. To not flirt with darkness. To not experiment with darkness. To not see how close we can come to sin. To not uh, see how fascinating certain ideology and certain perspectives are. But to hate what is evil. To test what is evil. To have a strong distaste for those things that are absent of God. And the only way we can have that distaste. The only way we can have that, that hate the only way that we can have that sense of uh, abandonment to that which is bad is to cling, to glue, to submit, to permanently attach ourselves to that which is good. That is what the Lord wants you to hear today. That is what the enemy doesn't want you to hear. The enemy wants you to be full of excuses and justifications. He wants you to excuse your sin and to reason your sin and to say it's not so bad and God says no you detest evil you detest evil by finding out what I have said is evil and you agree with what I've said and then you cling to good you glue to good you submit to good because that's where I'm at that's why Philippians 4 8 is such a good scripture for us to meditate on finally brothers sisters Whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is any praise, look at this last phrase, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. Guys, God is calling us, calling us to center our mind on him, to center our mind on his kingdom, to center our mind on his scripture, to center our mind on the things of God, to center our mind on what is good, what is desirable, and what is honorable. I want to say something to all who are single in here, whether you're a senior adult or you're a teenager years away from marriage. You know, one of the things that happens is when we get romantically entangled with someone, we think about that person a lot. We think about them a lot. I mean, that's just a natural instinct. So I think a good barometer, a good measuring stick is Philippians 4.8. Let's look at that one more time. Saying this, whatever is good, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If anything is excellent, dwell on these things. That's a good descriptor of the type of man or woman we, we would want to date and to think about a lot. Our God loves us so much. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. He is the good one. He is the honorable one. Through our God, everything good, everything good comes. Even the song we ended with today, Beth and I had no prior coordination of this song, but I sing because you are good. (laughs) I dance because you are good and you are good to me. Don't fall into the pit of cynicism. Don't fall into the pit of doubt. Don't fall in the game where you question God unreasonably. And you're angry at God and you make excuses for God. Instead, realize he is good. He is good to you. He is good to us. And he is the one we're going to look to. He's the one we're going to focus on. We're not going to focus on the evil. We're not going to focus on the wickedness. We're going to let God define what's evil. And we're going to agree with God. And the evil that's in our life, our God said, though your sins are the deepest stain, they're scarlet, impossible to get rid of the stain of sin. God says, I will make them white as snow without any impurity. Let's pray together.